it can get really complicated and builders usually, you know, will charge and will come up with a random explanation as to why they've charged that much, I guess. So you will find that most builders, even on an H1 or an H2 slab with a few beers, you might get hit with. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of Nailed It. This week we are covering everything to do with site costs. So all your site costs, every questions uh, that we commonly get uh, from people, we're going to try and cover those today so that way we can clear it all up and be as transparent as possible. So first one we're going to talk about today, um, for people who don't know who we are, who exactly is these people that you deem worthy to explain <laughs> site costs. <laughs> so you wanna kick us off? <laughs> yeah, I guess um, my name is Chris. I'm the director of Homes by CMA. Um, home builder that we've nearly built a thousand homes. Um, so That's crazy. I'd like to think we know what we're talking about and particularly when it comes to site costs. For sure. Um, so there's a lot of, um, a lot of things in regards to site costs that are misunderstood. And the whole purpose of uh, today's podcast is to explain to people what site costs are, um, what are the tricks, what mm-hmm. don't, what they should know, what they shouldn't know, and I guess all those things. For sure. Yeah. All right, so there is one thing where builders tend to make a lot of extremely high profits, um, and that is the site cost. So just tell us a little bit about what is a site cost and what's sort of involved in that. Well, the first thing is, and for those that haven't watched the episodes before, go out and watch it. But if you haven't, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the project builders, what they do is that they start with a low price. Uh, so it looks very attractive. You pay a deposit. And then as soon as you get a sold test, uh, you get to know your side costs. And that's where they overcharge you for things. Uh, so that's the first thing for so those people that haven't watched the previous episodes. Uh, that's how it usually works. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do it is because most people have no clue what cycles are. That's it. Um, Psychos are composed of a few things. And um, I guess at the top of my head, it's salt test would be the main one. Uh, we also have wind rating. And then we obviously have I guess everything that is related to the soil test and the survey. So the slopes on your land, yeah. uh, if retaining walls are required and all those things. All right, so for people who don't know, I'm currently obviously building the CMA and we're going through the process as you would normally. And we're getting to the point where we had all of our site costs coming up. So like our soil tests and everything. And there's all these weird numbers, there's all these weird letters and that. Um, do you just want to tell people a little bit more about what exactly they are? Yeah, and it's quite funny you said that because I do remember your soul test actually, and we had a little bit of an issue with the concrete peering. We did, yes. yes. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, we'll get back to that at some point. Um, what happens is you pay a deposit, uh, the builder will book a soil test, and usually that soil test is going to show two things. It's going to show the soil classification mm-hmm. and the wind rating. Uh, without those two things, a builder cannot really give you a fixed price contract because they don't know how good or how bad the soil is. That's it. So as a result of whatever those classes come back, mm-hmm. what happens? Yeah, so those, the results that come in the soil test will then um, will then impact the price of your house. And it, it can actually impact it quite a lot. And, and particularly if we talk about uh, project builders and, and how much they might charge for really bad soil um, or good soil, I guess. So for sure. the engineer breaks down the soil test into classes. So it usually starts at S class, then there's M class, H1, H2, E, 
and pea soil. Mm -hmm. So those are the possible options that the engineer will will classify when they do a soil test. Yep. Um, so that's the soils, and in terms of wind, it goes uh, N2, N3, N4. After that, you really will not most likely find it in most areas. Um, most of the areas in Southeast uh, Queensland are probably gonna be N2. Yeah. Um, some of them are gonna be N3. And uh, I, I don't think we need to explain too much about the wind, but usually how the wind works is the engineer goes on site, uh, they do an assessment as to where the block is. Yeah. Um, if you can imagine that, for example, your block is on a hill, um, there's no houses around, so obviously there's nothing to block the wind from hitting your house. So the house has to be made stronger. That's it. Um, so that it resists those, those winds. But then again, imagine that your house is built in a little bit of a valley, there's houses around, so obviously the wind is not gonna be as bad. So sure. um, wind raining does affect the price of a house, but not that much. Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm just talking from experience and from what I've seen from other builders, you know, you might be talking a few thousand, so it's nowhere near as bad as soil test. So going back onto the soil test, um, it starts, with an S class and, and how the soil is classified is based on the movement of the ground. Yes. So that's the thing that people have to understand. Um, you might see your block of land and it's looking nice and flat. Uh, land will move. That's so that's it. the first thing that people don't really realize land will move. And the soil classification depends on how much ground uh, movement is on your block and obviously how the soil is, what that's sort it. of- um, Is it fill. rock? Is it like, That's exactly yeah. right. So. There's a lot to, to know about, and I guess we might start maybe from the beginning again, going back to the S-Class. Um, so I might run through the S-Class and the, the classifications and then go back onto the soil a little bit, because it can get, that's why people don't understand, because it can get quite involved. Yeah, for sure. So S-Class soil, usually um, is pretty much when you have, I, I guess, usually rock or very hard ground that does not get affected by moisture that much. So if you can imagine, um, this is rock, uh, you put a slab on top, whether it rains, whether it, it's sunny, it's literally not it's going rock, to move. Yeah, yeah. So, but on the other hand, as much as an S-class soil is, is really good, you could also get rock. Yeah. And that could be a problem because obviously for a builder to build a house, we have to do drainage and we might have to do peering. You might have to do fencing. We might have to do retaining walls. Obviously we might have to drill into that rock. And um, so as much as yes, it could be an S-class, there could be extra costs depending on how hard that rock is, I guess. Yep. So S-class, we don't see that often to be honest. I would say maybe 10% of the salt tests I see would probably be S-class. Uh, then it moves on to M-class which is, I guess, moderate uh, soil based on the uh, sort of changes in a sort of moisture. Yeah. Um, so again, an M-class, to give you a sort of idea, um, again, you think your block is flat, an M-class soil might move up to 40 mil. So, uh, which is which is quite a bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So what happens and why the slab has to get stronger uh, the more the movement is because the slab will have to cope with the movement of the ground. So the more the ground is going to move, the stronger the slab has to, to be. So yep. that's that's why the soil classifications are really important. Yep. Uh, so M-class can move up to say 40 mil and um, probably 20% of all the jobs we do and it's M, so it's moderate, it's not too bad, you know, there's nothing wrong about it. Uh, most of the soil we see then is H1. 
H1 is highly reactive soil. Um, so highly reactive soil obviously means that it moves quite a bit. Um, so we need to make sure that the slab is strong enough to cope with those movements. And I would say H1 would probably represent easily 50, 60% of what, yeah. what we do. I was about to say, it's the most common slab that we would yeah. do. And which is why I guess when people usually look for a builder, um, I would try to get the pricing straight away of them. All right, how much is a slab if it comes out at H1? Yeah. No point in really getting a quote based on S-class soil because most it's just not going to happen. Like yeah. the chances are so small yeah. that um, <laughs> when I speak to a builder, I would say right away, okay, I understand you've quoted an S-class soil, mm -hmm. but how much would it be to upgrade to an H1? At so least you get the answer and you know how much you're up to if you have straight that H1 front, slab. That's exactly what I said. That builder can't tell you, I don't know, I have to wait for a salt test. You know, they have pricing on an H1 slab. An H1 slab is designed, um, they all have the same design, I guess, except from the the, the appearing. Yeah. So they can't really tell you, we have to wait for the engineer design because it's not true. They, they're just trying to hide, I guess, the yep. cost from you. Um, then it goes on to H2 soil. So H2 soil is extremely highly reactive soil. Um, so just another step from, I guess, H1. Um, we see it a bit, but I would say probably like the S-class, maybe 10, 15% tops, I would say. Yeah. Um, again, it's not, it, you know, it's not too bad, but you just got to make sure that obviously um, with a slab, I, I, I guess, and I'm going to get a little bit more into your detail. So I hope I'm not going to confuse people too much, but think about it. If the water affects and the moisture is going to affect your slab. The key thing is for the water to not pond around your, your house. Yeah. So the worse your soil classification is, the more you have to be careful about the water that is around your house because that's yeah. what's going to affect your soil. Uh, so again, think about it. You've got your slab. Um, it rains. So what's going to happen? The soil is going to expand. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it's, uh, uh, when it's sunny, what's gonna happen is the soil is gonna contract. Yeah. So the the least moisture change you can have around your, your slab, the better your slab is going to be. And it's also important, the higher the class of the soil is. So H2, um, after that we have E-class soil, which they are quite common nowadays in some areas like Newport, uh, Logan, we do see quite a lot. Um, so E-class soil is like the E says, extremely, reactive soil. Yeah. Extremely reactive soil means that um, your soil can actually move uh, more than 75 mil. Wow, isn't that much? 75 mil, so Shit. 75 mil is no small amount of uh, sort of movement, so. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. For example, uh, the front of your house, I guess is here, the back of your house could actually go up 75 mil. Uh, That's crazy. More than 75 mil, uh, so, um, so yeah. Think about that too when you are going to buy a block and it comes at E-class, you really have to think about it, be, because you can't change it. Yeah. No matter what you do, that soil is E-class. And yes, you can control the moisture around that house, but the yeah. E-class soil will always remain, I guess. So um, so like what's sort of that typical like E-class soil? Is it a bit more of like a looser soil as opposed to there's not much rock there? No, like, not necessarily. It's just the the moisture change in in that soil. Um, so, so what happens is when they taste that soil, and they, they get what's called Y uh, sort of values. And that value is going to tell you how much movement that soil is meant to be having. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for example, they test it, they get the Y values, and they realize that it's going to be above, say, eight centimeters or, or sort of 80 mils. So the slab is going to have to be an E class. Yeah. And the slab has to be designed to cope 
with that the movement. movement yeah. And that's where the extra cost comes in. The extra cost doesn't come just because it's an E-class. The extra yeah. comes because an E-class will have usually 16 mil bars as opposed yeah. to 12 mil bars. Yeah. Um, and say when a normal M-class slab might be uh, 310 as an overall uh, depth, yeah. uh, a E-class is going to be nearly half a meter thick. Wow. Nearly half a meter thick. So um, That's crazy, just in slab. That's why, so you get thicker beams, uh, you get thicker concrete, you get uh, stronger bars as yeah. reinforcement. And that's just so that when the sole is going to, uh, to move, I guess whether it moves through the center of the slab or through the side of the slab, you don't want that slab to, to crack. crack yeah. Slab will crack, yeah. slabs will crack, uh, but the aim is to remain within uh, tolerances, I guess. Yeah. So after E-class comes the P. P obviously stands for a problem. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be a problem. So don't stress out too much if you see a P-class soil. Yeah. Because it could be a P-class soil that is then reclassified as an M-class because it just needs a few concrete piers, I guess. So yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be that bad. Yes, it can get really bad, um, but it doesn't have to be that bad. Why do they classify it as P-class? Um, there's a few reasons, but the main one is the fill on that block. Yeah. Um, most land developers nowadays, um, when they develop new land, um, they're gonna add fill, they're gonna remove fill, and that's obviously to get streets looking nice, to, yeah. you, know, you know, to get really nice looking blocks, because obviously you can't just leave the hills the way yeah, they are. Yeah, you yeah. gotta build roads, you gotta build retaining, so. For sure. A P-class will come when that fill is not compacted to standard. Yeah. So again, um, and we've done stories on Instagram. For those that are not following us, follow us on Instagram because it's quite good. Post a lot of good content. We post a lot of good contents like this. That's it. Um, imagine that you put, we put fill, we put soil on that table. If that new soil is not compacted, obviously things, you know, if you push hard, your hand will go through yeah. to a certain point. Yeah. Um, that's why a slab will be classified as P because that field is not compacted. For sure. Uh, so usually what happens is you buy a new block of land in an estate. Mm -hmm. uh, they will give you what's called a disclosure plan most of the time. And the first thing to see is, does the developer have a level one compaction uh, certificate? Yeah. Was what that level one compaction certificate does is it certifies that that soil is compacted to your standard and they give you a certificate to say so that you need to forward to your engineer. Love it. Now, some people don't realize this again, but a lot of the land nowadays might be filled one meter, two meter, three meter, four meters. Um, so, you know, your house is literally sitting on fill. Uh, so you, you, you really want to make sure you have what's called a level one compaction uh, certificate. So when you are buying a block of land, make sure you ask your developer for that level one compaction uh, certificates and make sure you pass that on to your builder. Awesome. So I think we've got a pretty good understanding now of all the different classifications and how they all work. Um, but the other thing you briefly mentioned was about peering. Yeah, that's it. That's so it. did you want to just quickly touch on the different types of peering mm -hmm. and why you may require peering mm -hmm. um, and yeah. how the cost comes into this? Mm -hmm. So in terms of peering, and that's again where a lot of builders are going to strive to screw people over because people have no idea, you know, yeah. you're going to need $10,000 of peering. How, where, how much is peering? Yeah. No yeah, idea. So it. it's really easy for builders to try to load this appearing up. That's it. And often because like they're the authority and they're telling like, because they know what they're talking about, That's you're exactly just gonna right. usually pay it because you're like, oh, okay, it's 10 grand. The builder's telling me I need it. Shit, I better pay That's it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. peering works in different ways 
And um, when you build a slab, um, the one thing you want to make sure is obviously that the slab is sitting on hard ground. Yeah. Usually you want to you want a slab to sit on natural ground. So what happens is, um, for example, uh, your block has a little bit of fall. And again, most people think that block might be flat even if it's got a bit of fall. <laughs> so always get a survey so that you know how much fall is on that block. Yeah. Uh, but usually, you know, your block might have a middle of fall. What happens is a builder is going to do what's called a cut and fill. So your block has a bit of fall. We go halfway, we fill the section that's on the lower side and we cut the section that's on the higher side. Yeah. So that brings us back to retaining, but that's another story. And we'll <laughs> see if we got time to talk about this because yeah. it's quite involved. <laughs> um, so if you can imagine that the cut side um, would usually sit on natural ground because obviously you've cut that land. Yeah. But a fill side is soil that you've added. And like we were talking about, you you have not compacted to standard. You might have done what's called a control fill, but you don't have a level one compaction certificate on that fill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said unto all, all our sort of builders, no builder is going to really fill half a meter and give you a, a, a level one because it's going to be too expensive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you can imagine that half of your slab, for example, in that case, is going to be sitting on half a meter of fill. Yeah. If you don't peer that slab, what's going to happen is your slab that's sitting here is going to start tilting and tilting and tilting and tilting. So obviously your slab's going to break. Um, goodbye to your house. Yeah. And um, so that's the, the the reason why you really want peering. Yeah. So if you have half half a meter of fill, usually the peering would go another 0.2 or 0.3 meters deep. So you might be looking at 0.8 meters of concrete piers on that fill side. That's it. Uh, but that's really why peering is important. Uh, yeah so that your house is sitting on natural ground and no matter what happens, the house cannot tilt, I guess. That's it. Um, yeah, long story short. Um, in terms, there's, there's a, and that's what's so hard about Soltes, that's why <laughs> I don't want that postcard to run for too long, yeah, but yeah. there's there's a lot it's of like information. Where do, <laughs> where do you start, where do you stop? There's a lot of information. So yeah. I'll try hard to, to, to cover everything, uh, but not too much as of detail. If you do want more information, obviously, Tell us, yeah, yeah. because uh, we can go in even more detail. So that's it's true. Chris yeah. can get really we can get into even more detail. So and he gets real nerdy on it. So another very important thing to think about, and that might be why you get a, a P class soil, and why you might need peering. And and people are going to think, why do I even need peering? You know, it's natural ground. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. But have you got trees next to your house? Mm. And that happens a lot in acreage, or um, you know, there's bush at the back or you've got a massive tree at the front of the house. So remember how we talked about moisture and the ground? What's going to happen is you've got your block, there's a massive tree at the front. Um, The tree is really gonna suck moisture moisture from the ground, dry up that side, and the other side is not gonna get the same consistency in moisture. Which is why, again, think about it, that ground is gonna get shrunk quicker. So the slab is going to wanna crack uh, towards the front section. So that's why sometimes you might have natural ground and you might have everything, but you need to peer uh, where you have trees to the, the proximity of your house. So yeah. usually you buy a, a sort of acreage block. There might be a few trees. Always a really good idea to try to get rid of them. At least, you know, for a good 10 meters where the house is. Yeah. Because you do not, you, you, you just do not want to have trees next to your house. Yeah. And if you are building a house, obviously, and you are doing your own landscaping, do not plant massive trees yeah. next to your house, yeah. because it's it's not good. 
uh, and it's not recommended for the slab. So that's also why the slab could come as a P class and yeah. why you would need uh, peering. And again, it's very hard because as a client, you might get your soil test and the builder said, oh, there's a tree at the front and we're going to need to peer the slab. And you're going to be like, really? Like, <laughs> is this a joke? You're going to charge me $5,000 to peer the front of my house? Like, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's why it's important to know all this because it, it, you will be able to understand the cost things and where it comes from a yeah. lot better. And in terms of peering, again, going into a little bit more of detail, um, there's a few more things you can do. So you have concrete peering, yeah. uh, which is, again, for those that don't know, and I'm gonna assume they don't, is um, you drill a hole into the ground yeah. um, and you fill it with concrete. It's yeah. that simple. So the aim is to get that hole to hard ground again so that that concrete pier is sitting onto hard ground and the house obviously does not move. Yeah. When, for example, we get a house that's got a lot of piers, and I think yours is one of those, if I remember well. Yeah, it's got quite a bit of peering. I know one of the main issues as well was that because we're building zero lot alignment to the left, mm -hmm. that because we were on tiered blocks, mm -hmm. it was putting a lot of pressure on the neighbor's uh, sort of like retaining wall. Retaining wall, so yeah. So then it. we yeah. put the pier in there to then take the pressure off the wall and put it on the pier. That's exactly right. And that way it won't affect that. So that's something to keep in mind as well if you're doing like zero boundary or to the boundary. And if you've got pools, and pools, same yeah. principle. So if you've got pools, um, and also if you have a lot of peering, sometimes it's very cost efficient to go screw piers. Mm. Um, screw piers, so we've talked about, you know, you're a hole, you pour a concrete, that's a concrete pier. Yep. A screw pier is more so really just, just a picture of a screw, but a really big one yep. that you just screw onto the ground until it reaches a certain uh, strength. And, and then your slab sits on top of that. So screw piers are quite good because if you have to go to say three or four meter deep, Concrete piers are going to start to get a little bit hard. Yeah. And um, so screw piers are a really good solution when there's a lot of fill. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, this is good deep. That was fucking intense, man. Um. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just taking it all in. <laughs> um, okay. So we've talked a lot about the different classifications and different things that are required and we that have. you can have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If your brain is not fried at this point, like, holy shit. <laughs> That's what intense, I said. Like, it, like, it, it can go really, really deep. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I know it might be boring. But it's going to help you so much. But if you, have you can to really know. grasp it yeah, and like yeah. understand this yeah, when you're yeah. building a house. Yeah. Because you might not realize, but this can cost you thousands. And if you That's don't it. understand it, it's gonna be hard to justify where that money's coming yeah. from. And people will take advantage, builders will take advantage 100%. of it. So it's important, yeah, that you do know. But yeah, so we've talked about classifications. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even speak now. My mind's like still like trying to comprehend everything. <laughs> I feel like we've um, been actually a PhD class. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's bad. All right, so classifications. We've talked about the moisture in the soil, everything like that. We've talked about the concrete uh, peering. We've talked about screw piers. Um, now we've talked a little bit about uh, the slope as well and retaining walls. Um, so let's talk about the different kinds of slabs. Mm -hmm. So. I'll let you take it away. Um, but yeah, talk us through all the different kinds of slabs we can have. That's it. So uh, the two main slabs, yeah. there, and, and there's obviously a lot of times, but the two main ones are waffle pods yeah. and a traditional slab. So I would say all, I've never seen a, a project builder that doesn't do a waffle pod slab. And yeah. even small builders would usually tend to do a waffle pod slab. So yeah. that would be really what we see easily 97% of the time. So what, 
is a waffle pod slap and what's the difference and why, what are these two most common ones? That's it. So um, I guess trying to put it into perspective and a waffle pod slap, I guess, is, is the new version and a traditional, like the name says, is more the old school yeah. ways of doing a slab like they used to do it. Yeah. So the first thing to set up is people ask, okay, what is uh, so better? Is a waffle pod or a traditional slab? Long story short, if you have them side by side, a traditional will be a little bit better. Yeah. The reason for that is a traditional slab has a footing that goes all around the slab. So that usually, that's usually why this is much better Yeah. because it has a full uh, footing that usually goes either, you know, 450 or 600 deep. Yeah. Um, and, and makes the sub obviously much, much, much stronger. Yeah. Now there's nothing wrong about a world football slab in my opinion, I guess. Um, a world football slab, and that's where people get uh, confused. They see, you know, the uh, the uh, polystyrene squares and like, is my house sitting on polystyrene? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. gotta be a joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the polystyrene could, could be foam. Yeah. Uh, we could make it of cardboard. We could make it of plastic. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The polystyrene is just here to create a void. That's it, yeah. So a waffle pot slab is just, um, I guess, a, a, a slab that has, instead of a, a traditional slab would say have beams every three meters, yep. a waffle pot slab has a smaller beam, but every one meter. Yep. And that's where the void comes in. The void comes in so that you just don't pour, you know, a layer of 0.3 of a meter of concrete, yep. but you have void so that you can spend less money, but still have the strength that the slab needs to cope with that uh, sort of movement. So that's that's the only thing that those voids are there for. Yep. And on a traditional slab, uh, the voids are still there, but they're usually made of sand. Yeah. Because the voids are much uh, sort of bigger, uh, the guys just, just do it with sand because it's much easier. Uh, but the concept is the same. You create voids, you have a slab that sits on, on top, and you have beams every one or three meter if it's a, a traditional slab. So. Awesome. Um, in terms of slab, you know, there's nothing wrong with a waffle pod. The, the critical thing with those two slabs is to make sure that, uh, like we talked about, natural ground. Yeah. You could have, you know, you might think, oh, yes, I'm going to have a traditional slab. But if you have three meters of fill yeah. and you sit that slab on top, that slab is going to sink no matter what. Whether yep. it's a waffle pod, whether it's it's a traditional, if it's not screw peered or concrete peered to three meters deep, it will sink. Yep. Um, so we've, we've literally done now nearly a thousand slab and they probably have been, I would say 997 <laughs> have been as uh, so a waffle pods. Yeah. My own house is a, a uh, waffle pod slab and um, it's just a much more efficient way to to sort of do it. Yep. And if well engineered and well maintained, there's nothing wrong with it. So um, yeah. Cool. All right. So we've given people a little bit of an insight and an explanation to all of these things. Now let's tell them the price of these things. Yeah. So that's where it can get really complicated and builders usually, you know, will charge and will come up with a random explanation as to why they've charged that much, I guess. So yeah. you will find that most builders, even on an H1 or an H2 slab with a few pieces, you might get hit with like 20K um, for, for a normal house. It, it, it goes really quick. And by the time you had uh, retaining walls and this and that, like literally you will be surprised. Yeah, it builds by, up. It builds up really, really yeah. quick. So, I mean, to give you a, a sort of idea, um, a lot of builders nowadays have an H1 slab as a standard. So again, if that's something your builder is not offering, I would ask them what would be the price to upgrade to an H1 soil if the soil comes out as that. Yep. Um, so let's use that, let's use that. Uh, let's take H1 mm -hmm. and what is, in your opinion, ridiculous like to pay for? 
Oh wow! I, I, I've seen I've seen builders gone from eight uh, from S class to H one for like ten thousand um, dollars. To to me, it's absolutely re- like it, it's just yeah, uh, yeah uh, completely uh, so ridiculous. I would never pay it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I don't know how how people pay it, <laughs> yeah. but obviously you know yeah. it, they stuck they paid a deposit and they're like oh That's it. Yeah. it sounds about right. I, I need to upgrade my slabs. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All so the yeah. builder says so. Like, yeah. Well, that's it. I've seen H one yeah, at 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 ten k plus, um, and that's not even including peering. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Far out. Okay, and what would you sort of deem an acceptable sort of amount to be paying? Oh, to go from an S-class, yeah. so say if a builder has an S-class soil as a standard and I want to upgrade you to an H1, mm-hmm. I would probably maybe go three and a half thousand would probably be about right, I would say. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't done any of these calculations, but based on the slabs and the, the differences in steel, I would say, yeah, this is about right. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's given a really good summary and an insight into what exactly site costs are. Mm-hmm. And hopefully people um, were able to comprehend and grasp that uh, <laughs> complex understanding that, and uh, delivery complex, that Chris yeah. gave. Um, I hope but, it all made sense. Yeah. But at the same time, it's going to, hopefully that was incredible value. Like there's not a lot of people that are out here explaining to you this sort of stuff in the depth that we just did um, and giving you even the pricing and stuff as well. So uh, before we leave, uh, this you know episode and wrap it up. Is there anything else you think of that we can include that people should no, know? No, I guess the main thing again from a a a home buyer's point of view is um, don't just look at an at a price and think you know it's okay. It it, it looks great. Sign up and you know get a salt test and yeah. then screw it over. Compare compare prices, guys. Compare prices yeah. and ask you know. So if you are dealing with one of the uh, project builders, yeah. I can't remember where he said that if it was one of our CMA TVs or if it was something I can't I was, remember. Yeah, but yeah. ask them if you know, you know, speak to your neighbors. Yeah. They will tell you, oh, my builder can back with an H1 soul, or my builder can back with an H2 soul. Usually soul is similar in the area. Yeah. Not the same though. Yeah, yeah. A lot of time you might have the uh, a a house next door and yours might be an H1 and the house next door might be an H2. Yeah. So always be mindful of that. You know, what your neighbor has is not necessarily what you have. Yeah, yeah. But have a chat with your neighbors, um, have a chat with the land developers. You know, most of those yeah. land developers like Stockland and um, and all these sort of major ones are, are quite honest and, and transparent. So they will mm-hmm. tell you. Mm. And um, so once you get that information, go back to your builder and say, okay, I've heard that the estate usually has H1 of or H2 soil. Yep. How much would it be, and could you include that in the quotes um, so that you can actually make a decision and compare uh, sort of apples with apples or two apples? I don't even know which one it is. Yeah. But um, yeah, <laughs> so that's that's probably the main thing I would say. Uh, make sure you do a little bit of uh, sort of research and don't just pay a deposit because the price is good and they've quoted on an S class and you really have no idea what it is. The second thing is no matter what builder you pick, once you get your soil test, ask the builder for that uh, soil test. Yeah. Um, don't just rely on, um, it's gonna be $20,000 in site cost uh, as per the soil test. Yeah. Uh, I would always request a copy of that soil test. Yeah, have a um, That's yeah. it. Watch that video maybe a few times so that then you can go through your soil <laughs> test and actually try to understand it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but usually, that's, and that's the good thing about it, most engineers uh, have a little bit of detail on their soil test. Yeah. Um, now again, it's a little bit hard to understand, 
but hopefully after that video, people will get a bit of a better idea. Yeah, uh, they'll understand the terminology, the numbers, the That's meetings. exactly yeah, right. But have a look. Sweet. That's it. Have a look yeah. at the salt test. And, you know, Prime One, what we just said, you know, it could be classified as P and your builder is going to say, oh, it's P class. It's another $20,000. Yeah. It doesn't have to be because 100%. the salt test might actually say it's P class, mm -hmm. but we've reclassified it as M class and you can actually have an M class soil yeah. with minimal peering to the front. Yeah, yeah. So then if your bill is starting to charge 20K, well, hold on, where's that cost coming from? Mm. You know, so you, you should really have a look at the salt test and, and just understand it. That's it. Um, whether it's the classification, whether it's the peering required and how you know the appearing is uh, well, first of all, based on the slope of your land, yeah. uh, which is not going to show on the salt test, but it's going to show on the contour survey. So not everything is on the the, the salt test. And sometimes it might say there's no peering required, but there might be because of the slope of your land that the engineer might not have taken into, into consideration. So they do take that into consideration at the slab design stage, but when they did the salt test, they might not have the survey plan yet that shows exactly what the slope is. So... Um, so long story short, have a look at your slab uh, classification and have a look- <laughs> That was long story long, bro. <laughs> long story oh my long. goodness. <laughs> I just want to be specific yeah. because I know how hard no, it it's is. It's good, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I really know how hard it is to understand. And um, even for me to try to explain it, you see like, I don't know how long that video was, but it's probably four, uh, 40 minutes just on explaining soul test. Yeah. So that that's how much, so, so imagine, I would bet that 99% of people that have bought a home have no idea what the salt test was and how much they paid for That's true. and what it covered. You are guaranteed to learn at least one thing in this yeah, entire Yeah, and if we can like save you money, sure. hopefully exactly. thousands, that, yeah. that, that's a whole purpose. That's a goal, right? That's yeah. a whole purpose. Yeah. So the next thing to look into the salt test is the depth of the fill. Yeah. And um, again, for example, we're gonna take just a really quick example <laughs> where Bella could screw you over. Yeah. Uh, they haven't sent the level one compaction to the engineer yep. and the soil report shows a meter of fill. Mm. So the bill is gonna charge you for peering to the whole house while it's not really required. required yeah. So have a look at that. It doesn't mean, and again, we can go further with that, but I'm <laughs> gonna stop. But it doesn't mean you don't, but yeah. It, it doesn't mean, yeah. so a level one compaction certificate also does not mean no peering. Yeah. Uh, you might still need it, particularly if half of the block's been filled mm. and half of the block hasn't. So again, we can go literally so deep in this that we can spend a few hours just talking about that topic. So, yeah. but yeah, this is just a really, I not feel a, like they get the gist. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it not a quick event. rundown, but it's just a rundown to just make yeah. sure, you know, you look into it, you read that uh, report, again, watch that video a few times, yeah. and and just try to understand where that cost is coming from and feel free to ask your builder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the bill is transparent, he will say, you know- They should have it, no issues trying to tell that's you- That's exactly yeah, right. This, this is where the cost comes from. Yeah. The salt test is H2, so that's what we need you to do with the slab. And obviously there's a concrete peering because there's a meter of fall yeah. on your block. Yeah. So. Um, you know, that there's no reason why the builder can't really explain uh, to you where that sole uh, pricing comes from. That's so it, yeah. hopefully, you know, what we said is gonna help people. And because I know that a lot of those builders are making so much money that I actually feel bad for those people. Mm, and yeah. uh, I, I wish they knew a little bit more about those those souls so that they could save easily maybe five, $10,000, maybe even more. That's it, Yeah, that's it. And this is happening like every day. Every <laughs> like, day, every yeah. day. and. That's and and that's one of the reasons they why. Get away with it. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, but they get away with it to a certain point because a lot of the project builders have really big fall rates in their contract, mm. and that's usually 
because we've talked about that last week, the color selection is one thing. Yes. And again, if you haven't watched, go back and watch this. Uh, but the salt report is another reason where, you know, they're all excited, they've paid a deposit, they get a salt test and they get the bill and they're like, oh shit, um, <laughs> I should have gone with another builder. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of those builders usually would, would just lose quite a lot of uh, self clients based on uh, not just the color selection upgrades, but also the salt test. <laughs> cool. I think um, <laughs> I think we covered it pretty well. A bit of knowledge for you there. Uh, yeah, just a bit of a bit of a brain dump there for you. If you have any question, I will see. You know, I know it's complicated. So if you yeah, have any yeah. question, drop a comment below. That's send it. us a message on Instagram. We're always more than happy to help out, and more than happy to just just try to explain some of the things because it can be very complicated. That's it. And yeah. the truth is, a lot of builders do not even know what I've just talked about. Yeah, and, yeah, that's and, the other thing. And too. that's the start yeah. part. It's external companies that they've hired to, to do this sort of shit. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So they they don't even know they have a process that say, oh, if the soul is H2, I got to upgrade you to that cost, but they don't even know what it means. They, yeah. they don't even know what it's uh, talked about. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, um, can you break that? You'll be like, can you break that down for me? And they'll be like, oh, hold on. I just got to just gotta <laughs> I mean, go back and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I can't break it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, meanwhile, they're Googling. <laughs> yeah, that's it. H, you saw, what does it mean? Yeah, yeah no, 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 no. They're going to watch the CMA podcast. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Good point, good point. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it, it, it's a good point. I, I bet you how many people are going to watch that podcast that work for the billers because it's going to be really good learning. That's true. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So I think, um, yeah, we've covered that really well. Uh, hopefully that's given people a bit more of an insight into this. Um, if you have any other topics or anything that you would like us to cover, please um, comment, DM us, whatever the topics. We'd love to know because we'd love to cover them because at the end of the day, we sort of do this to help you guys out and be as transparent as possible with you guys. So we hope you enjoyed this. We hope you learned something. Um, give us your feedback down below and we will see you next week with another amazing episode of Nailed It. So thank you very much. Thank you. We hope we made building a little bit easier. That's it. A little bit. All right, let's go. I need a beer. <laughs> that was intense. <laughs>